Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And as Frank just described to me, the Band-Aid was ripped off tonight. I think uh, we spoke about this series over the last couple of days. Obviously, the Bucks were trying to create history. No Giannis. And ultimately, we knew without Giannis, the chances of you creating history were significantly diminished the Bucks put up a fair fight. Definitely defensively, I thought they were pretty damn good, but ultimately they fell short. They just did not have the offensive weapons to get over the top of Miami tonight. They lose 103-94, and the season is over far earlier than we expected. Frank, I feel like after Game 3, the podcast after that, the conversation we had, is probably the conversation we would have been having tonight if they had gone down in six or seven games. It felt like that was the moment where... That was the soul-destroying moment. That was the soul-destroying game, that fourth quarter in Game 3. Where do you want to start here with this one? I I think, again, uh, even without Giannis, you saw enough defensively for them to stay in the game and probably some of the same issues that we've sort of known about this team throughout come back to bite them offensively. Yeah, I mean, credit to the players for, um, you know, I I, I thought this game had a chance to, you know, get away from them potentially pretty early if... uh, if, especially if Miami didn't have like an outlier bad shooting night. Um, and, uh, you know, lo and behold, Bucks actually, you know, end up getting a double-digit lead in the first quarter. And um, not that at any point did I really feel comfortable. And again, as you alluded to, after that fourth quarter in game three, like pretty much it was impossible for me to ever feel comfortable with this team, maybe ever again, period, but at least, at least not in this series. Um, so yeah, credit to them for coming out. And, you know, there was, I think, I mean, just seeing Wes Matthews like back cut early in the first quarter for a layup and it was like, Oh, wow. They're doing some different things here. So they're kind of like moving people around a little bit more, um, which, you know, again, it's kind of, it's kind of ironic, right? I mean, when Giannis has the ball and you want Giannis to drive or pick and roll down the middle that, you know, you don't have people cutting through the middle quite as much, but when Chris Middleton is, is at the top of the key dribbling and, you know, as a pull-up threat and is not a guy that, you know, is typically trying to get to the rim anyway, you can do some different things. And so there were at least some signs of things today. Um, but ultimately, I mean, you know, it was too much of a rock fight uh, in the end and, and the Bucks didn't have, well, I guess you could say the Bucks had too many rocks, <laughs> but they, they ended up getting pummeled. So whichever way that metaphor is supposed to go, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, clearly a, uh, a bridge too far for, the guys that were left. And I mean, you know, again, no individual game in this series was, you know, some wild outlier, like if only the, you know, that, that we couldn't have foreseen. Right. Unfortunately, losing this series in such expedited fashion was something that is, was entirely consistent with what we saw 
from this team over the past six weeks. And, um, you know, that's unfortunately, um, going to be the lasting, you know, sort of memory for me of, of this season is the Bucks just never finding their rhythm. And, you know, Giannis answered some questions and tried to make a little bit of sense of it in the post game, but, you know, most of the things he pointed out, he also admitted were issues, you know, they were facing the same issues that, that other teams were facing in the bubble. So, um, so yeah, again, I mean this, you know, unfortunately, you know, that game four, I think was a nice story because, you know, the Bucks bounced back and they showed, Hey, you know, they actually have some guys who can play a little bit. And Chris Middleton was able to carry this team to a win. I was really hoping that, you know, you could see, you know, we'd see something similar just because it would at least make us feel better and at least maybe tone down the usual um, obligatory commentary about, you know, that Giannis's teammates suck and aren't, you know, worthy of him or whatever. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, obviously, this was a team that looked like it was missing their MVP. And, you know, Chris, obviously, in the middle, middle two periods in particular, just could not get shots to drop. And uh, it was a struggle for him. He started to get things going a little bit late. But, um, you know, Eric Bledsoe, rough <laughs> again. Brooke Lopez, not enough. I would have loved to see more um, the ball go through Brooke, Brooke more than it did. Um, and again, just, you know, you can look at this shooting percentage. I mean, the, the fact that the Bucks were even in this game shooting as poorly as they did was pretty remarkable. And obviously a testament, as you pointed out, to the activity level on the defense. And I think Miami also just, I mean, a lot of careless turnovers from them as well. I'll give the Bucks some credit for that. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a scrappy performance, but, you know, uh, let's just say the offense was, uh, uh, you know, not just, just not close to, to what we needed to, uh, to win a basketball game today. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think again, most of us expected it. I mean, we've had, you know, over a week basically to kind of get emotionally prepared for what, for what we saw today, because it's been coming and the Bucks got what they deserved ultimately in the series, which was basically an ass kicking, right? And that's, that's pretty much what they deserved from the way they played. So I've already had a bunch of Bucks fans sort of reaching out to me, DMing me on Twitter, asking about off-season stuff and, and players and particular moves that could happen. And uh, I, I think we've said this, and we might have said this the other day as well. We're going to have some time here to, to, to go through that. So I, I'm not going to dive into that stuff now in, in terms of who could be traded, what could move on. But what I will say is this team, and it's something – We've spoke about through the season as well. I mean, we knew that it was lingering there. They're an average shooting team. The last three games of this series, but prior to game five, they were shooting 29% from three. And they needed to make some shots because defensively, I mean, you know, in 2020 and in bubble basketball, if you hold a team to 103 points, you give yourself a really, really good chance of winning the game. And they did. And that's why they were able to keep this one close. But in the end, they shoot 27% from three. So over the last four games of the series, uh, they, they are well below 30% from three. And, and, you know, you're just not going to win many playoff series like that. And Brooke Lopez, unfortunately, has shot the ball really well throughout the bubble. He was 0 for 3. Chris Milton was 2 for 9. Wesley Matthews, as you mentioned, scored double digits, 0 for 3 from three. And then Eric Bledsoe, as you pointed to. And it was the ultimate Eric Bledsoe experience tonight. Unfortunately, it's the third year in a row that, He's really, really, really struggled in the playoffs. And, and he, did, he did some nice things tonight. He finished with nine assists, only the one turnover, two steals, two blocks. Again, that's what I mean when I talk about the Bledsoe experience, that he did enough positive things. And obviously, defensively, I, I thought he was really good again. And he's elite on that end of the floor. We know that. 
But you just saw it was difficult on Chris Middleton. It was difficult on everyone else because Bledsoe was basically a guy out there that the opposition can 100% ignore. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's just an absolute non-factor. And he has to... I know... You know, fans get frustrated that some of the shots he takes, and certainly the early shot clock ones do bother me, but some of those shots today, not the early ones, but some other ones where he's just wide open, he's, he simply had to take. He had to shoot, and he had to knock them down, and he did it. He finished two for 12. He also missed a couple of bunnies in the first half that were, you know, would have been really handy, and I, I guess maybe the ultimate salt in the wound of this loss for the Bucks was they leave seven points at the free throw line as well. And, you know, we, we always have spoke about Giannis and his free throws. And if the Bucks have a poor shooting night from the free throw line, it's generally everyone else shoots pretty well. And then it's Giannis that, you know, maybe might have an off night. Well, unfortunately on this one, the, everyone sort of chipped in. Everyone missed free throws at stages that you would have liked to see them knock down. And on the other end, the heat were 91%. They shot more threes. They were able to come up with the big shots in crucial moments. And, yeah, I, I just think, you know, even without Giannis, you, you didn't expect that you were going to win this game. I don't think that Giannis would have played the next game either, to be totally honest, just from what we got from the post game, We can talk about that in a little bit. But if you wanted to extend the series at all, you needed to make some shots. And I, I think the wider issue with this Bucks team moving forward that we will be able to discuss, and I'm sure the front office is discussing is that uh, they don't have enough shooting. And when I say enough shooting, they don't have enough above average shooting on the roster to, to travel teams in the postseason. All right, Frank, I don't know if you're the type of person that eats when you're sad or eats when you're mad. I, I don't know if you're that type of guy, Frank, but uh, after today's game, I thought about ordering some DoorDash into the house here. I got some work to do. Obviously we had to do this podcast and right now, there's really no better time to use DoorDash. We know with the state of the world right now, delivery food might be the best option so you don't have to go to a restaurant. Continue supporting the restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support those favorite restaurants by using DoorDash. The best part about it is DoorDash deliveries are now contactless, keeping the communities we all operate in safe with over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. It's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Yeah, and the interesting thing with putting Chris sort of at the top and having him really initiate so much of the offense is, um, I mean, the one, the good news is he can obviously just pull up and shoot over top of teams. So, you yeah. you know, you can't build a wall in, you know, at the rim because, I mean, literally he can't make a layup anyway. I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I still can't believe going back to the Orlando series, how just completely hopeless Chris was trying to finish anything around the basket. He mm-hmm. blew on. I think about four minutes to go in this game. Like, I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, literally an uncontested layup, but um, you know, a contested layup that he, he bricked. And um, that was a theme throughout the playoffs. I don't, he didn't hit one inside eight feet. I think last game when he scored 36 points and tonight 
kind of a similar issue where, you know, he had some, some stuff going to the basket that, that didn't go down and, you know, a really poor shooting night from him, eight out of 25, um, still at 23 points, seven rebounds, six assists, but six turnovers and six fouls. Um, so obviously, um, a very mixed bag for Chris, but you know, not, not a whole ton of help other than that. Um, DiVincenzo, I thought was a really nice surprise. He, he actually came on here as the series went along, which was encouraging because, I mean, I don't think they would have had any chance to, um, you know, to, to be competitive these last couple of games without getting some other guys, obviously, to step up a little bit. Uh, and he finishes with double digits in the last three games, which was actually kind of a nice surprise. So, again, not a lot of silver linings to be drawn from from this playoff series. But certainly, he goes from one point in 22 minutes in the first two games to um, let's see, 37 in the last three. So, you know, sh- shout out to Dante actually yeah, <laughs> showing, yeah. showing up a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was just really difficult. And again, Chris being at the top problem is he, you know, who's your best shooter? Well, Chris Middleton. All right. Well, the good news is you put the ball in his hands. He can shoot over top. The bad, bad news is, you know, if you trap him, take the ball out of his hands, then you're rotating it to guys who generally can't shoot as well. Right. Exactly. So, um, so that's obviously kind of a problem, um, that, you know, flips, flips the Giannis situation on its head a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I, again, just, just playmaking and, and scoring obviously in general, right. I mean, they, they end up with a 96 offensive rating today, which just, you know, I mean, that's never, never going to cut it. You're never going to win a playoff game, you know, in, in the, in the year 2020, uh, putting up a 96 offensive rating. Um, so it, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the shooting numbers were just, just atrocious today and, uh, they'd get some offensive rebounds. They didn't turn the ball. Ironically, aside from Middleton, only five other turnovers, 11 total by the team. So Miami had 10 more, which is really what kept the bucks in this game. But, um, but yeah, I, clearly I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, I mean, Bledsoe, I couldn't believe it. Bledsoe's scoring and shooting percentages were actually better in this series than they were against Toronto last year, which is just crazy that he was even worse last year. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tip my hand a little bit on off season. I don't know how you start next season with Eric Bledsoe as your starting point guard. I mean, at this point, um, you know, unfortunately the, the biggest issue now is like, how do you get anybody to, to take them? Um, you know, and, and actually get anything of use back. Um, I, I don't know, but Bledsoe has pretty much just destroyed any, any value that, uh, that positive value that, that, you know, he might have at this stage. So that's going to be a really difficult uh, kind of you know, chess piece to figure out um, this off season. But that to me is the roster wise, the very obvious one is that, you know, you just don't have enough there. And, and unfortunately George Hill won out of eight tonight minus 13 Bledsoe was, was an even zero. He had the best plus minus of anybody uh, on the team. And, and again, I think, um, or sorry of anybody who, uh, who started um, and uh, you know, you pointed out, I mean, he is such a dog defensively and it just sucks, you know, that he's just become that He has just become such a hopeless case on offense against these teams that can wall off the paint. I mean, previous game, he actually got to the rim a little bit in this game. Um, just nothing doing. You mentioned him mentioned missing some bunnies, um, he just looked spooked again, just looked like he'd gotten inside his own head and, um, him hitting the corner three in the fourth quarter was probably the most shocking thing that happened all game to me, to me, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just, just a really tough night for him. Um, and again, not due, not due to a lack of effort. I mean, the way he worked defensively, we saw him get minutes against Jimmy Butler and switches and things like that. I mean, his ability to defend, 
um, and work defensively is, is, uh, is remarkable. I thought DiVincenzo did a really nice job as well. I mean, Duncan Robinson had two points in this game and uh, Dante was the one doing most of the chasing um, to start games, but Robinson four fouls, 14 minutes minus 13. I mean, you know, that Duncan Robinson really ended up being probably much less of the story of the series than I kind of was concerned he might be. So it kind of makes the, the heats runaway victory all the more, um, you know, speaks all the more to, to the depth that the, that the heat have and, and how many guys aside from him uh, kind of chipped in, but, but yeah, um, just, uh, you know, just not enough by a long shot um, tonight for, for the bucks and shooting problems and, obviously just generally lack of, of somebody who could really, really just go and, and get you buckets other than, than Chris. And obviously he struggled in that regard too tonight. Well, that's, that's really the story, isn't it? Because as you mentioned, Duncan Robertson averaged nine points per game for this series. It's incredible. If you had told me that at the start of the year, uh, at the start of the series, I would have said, geez, I really like the Bucks' chances. If they hold Duncan Robertson to nine points on 35% from three. Uh, well, the problem was that they had Jimmy Butler with 23, Dragic with, with 20, Bam, obviously, was a fact that was 17 points. Jay Crowder, 43% shooting on 10 three-point attempts per game. He just continually hit big shots. Uh, it felt like almost every single game, he was the guy that broke the Bucks run. And then Tyler Hero was a, was a huge factor as well, 13 points per game, over 40% from three. So, you know, the shooting did end up biting the Bucks on the ass, but it wasn't perhaps the main weapon that we thought it was going to be. And, and you point on the, the Bledsoe stuff, and that's why it's... You know, <laughs> that's why I, I guess maybe it's it's been so easy to be um, uh, get sucked in by this team because they are they are such a likable group and Bledsoe does still so many things in a game where you know you needed more from him, you wanted more from him offensively. He still did so many positive things, and Bledsoe and Brook Lopez actually named to the uh, all defensive second team. Uh, tonight, but prior to the game, and Giannis in the first team. So, and, and look, well deserved, well deserved honors for, for all of those guys. Uh, Brooke Lopez, I mentioned, was 0 for 3 from 3, uh, but 7 for 13 from 2. And I, I'm kind of with you. He finished with 15 points, but I, I just wanted to see more of him because six offensive rebounds. So he actually got some putbacks. I didn't think the Bucks looked for him a lot. And, you know, you go for a stretch in the fourth quarter of six minutes without scoring, or it might have been in the, in the third quarter when the game was really close, six minutes of not scoring and you can't find Brook Lopez some ball close to the basket. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Those are the types of dry spells that have uh, haunted the Bucks throughout this series. As we sort of move on to the post-game a little bit here, Frank, um, some interesting news that came in, and this does pertain to what the Bucks are going to look like next year. Marvin Williams has retired, and... This kind of did shock me a little bit. I mean, he, he showed that he still did have a, a little bit in the tank. He was actually 5 for 10 tonight. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought the Bucks were definitely in trouble when we started going to Marvin Williams' post-ups on a couple of possessions there, but he finished with 11 points, 8 rebounds, and uh, he battled, man. And that's one thing you can say that Marvin Williams did. He battled for this team, particularly on the offensive glass. Uh, he's limited. There's no doubt about that. He's been in the league for a long time now, but uh, he came here to win a championship, but unfortunately didn't get it. But he was a super popular teammate, super nice guy, and uh, a little bit surprised. I probably would have would have invited him back next year. Yeah, I mean, my other options are DJ Wilson and you know Ursan Silva, you know, for more money than I want to spend. So, um, yeah, I think unfortunately the the Bucks wouldn't have. 
clearly don't have a lot better options right now and they're going to have to figure out something else there yep. um, with Marvin retiring. Cause I, I agree. I was surprised by that. I mean, I, I would have taken him back on a minimum deal if he was willing to take it. Uh, sure. Why not? I mean, I think he still had showed, showed enough. And as you said, I mean, he, he was a guy that um, you certainly weren't concerned about him putting in an honest, an honest night's work. Unfortunately, probably saw a lot more of him than, you know, we would have yeah. liked just because of um, obviously Giannis not playing, but then also just with um, the Bucks only being able to play one center here in this series, you know, Robin has been absent since, you know, middle of the Orlando series, um, which by the way, that, you know, ironically, you know, a lot of talk about Philly and, and how Philly, you know, picked up Al Horford and built their roster to sort of stop the Giannis. And then they never got the chance to even play Giannis. I mean, Bucks used their room exception on basically a guy meant to stop and, and sort of help defend Joel Embiid. And then the Bucks didn't get a chance to, have to play against the Sixers either. So Bucks ended up, you know, kind of wasting that salary slot on, on Robin who, I mean, look, I love Robin Lopez, but um, you know, look at, look at the other teams that they might've had to play unless they ended up in the finals against the Lakers. I don't know if Robin Lopez like plays in a minute in the, in the playoffs other than, you know, those first couple of games against Orlando. So, um, so yeah, kind of a, a weird footnote and, and we'll see Robin has a player option. I'm going to, assume he probably <laughs> takes that <laughs> and is back next year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just, uh, um, another random, random kind of thing about this game. Now for a note from our friends over at built bar, the brand new and improved built bar is better than ever. They've got 18 flavors. Now, instead of the usual 12 that they had, the six new flavors include carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp cookies and cream, caramel, brownie, among others and of course they still have the 12 original flavors which include raspberry german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie uh they're all very good i I can tell you that for a fact they are delicious the built bars are healthy great for the health conscious guy lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because the bars are low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber of course, you guys know the deal. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. And the free cooler is still there as well. So while supplies last with your order, go to builtbar.com, use the code locked on, and cash in. But we're kind of burying the lead here because probably the most important thing were some yeah. comments from Giannis that uh, Chris Haynes ended up reporting after the game, uh, which, um, you know, again, I'm sure will be ignored by, uh, you know, talking heads to the extent that it's convenient. But, um, you know, I think if you're a Bucks fan, obviously the first thing you're thinking about is what is what is going through Giannis's head. And um, it seems like he's sort of saying what you would expect Giannis to say, which obviously is, I would say, a good thing if you're a Bucks fan who wants to see Giannis uh, in Milwaukee long-term. Yeah, so I, I, first of all, I was a little bit surprised that Giannis spoke after the game. And, and just because we know what Giannis is like. He's, he's not typically a guy that would do media if he doesn't have to. I don't know what the Bucks are going to do in regards to, to exit interviews and that kind of stuff with being in the bubble and leaving. It's, it's normally at the practice early the day after the season. So... I don't know if that's a thing that's happening or if we'll hear from Giannis again anytime soon. But the fact that he fronted the media, I I thought, first of all, was a little bit interesting. But the overwhelming sense I got, and and you guys would have seen some of the quotes that have come out in different stories. I tweeted some of them as well. He And we saw him through the game. 
He was he was engaged 120%, which he always is. He was probably testing out that ankle, jumping up and down at times and getting uh, fired up. He was rebounding for players during halftime, which is just absolutely absurd, but that's that's what he does. But the big thing was that he was extremely positive about the team. He was positive about Milwaukee. He was talking about the, the culture in Milwaukee and, and winning the championship here. Uh, he There was some concern, I know, from Bucks fans that said that, um, you know, they were concerned about the Bucks either playing him injured or, or stopping him from playing. But Giannis just said, listen, man, he said, I, I would play with one leg if I could. I, I don't care. He said, but he was thankful that the organization stopped him from playing because he understands that in situations before, organizations haven't done that. And it's come back to hurt players. He knew deep down he wasn't okay to play. He wasn't healthy. And they took care of him. And, and he said that that's big for him. He said the fact that the organization is looking after his long-term health is big for him. But as far as the, the quote that you're mentioning too with the Chris Haynes story, this was separate from the post-game. This has come out just a few minutes really before we started recording. Uh, I guess Chris Haynes asked him whether he is going to ask for a trade or try and force his way out, regardless of whether he signs the extension, what's he going to do for the 2020-21 season? And Giannis said, it's not happening. That's not happening. Uh, he said, some see a wall and go in another direction. I plow through it, which I thought was kind of ironic that he used those words. Anyway, he said, we just have to get better as a team individually and get right back at it next season. And if you're a Bucks fan, first of all, you want Giannis to be healthy. You want this ankle to get healthy. You want him to be okay uh, moving ahead to next season. But that's also exactly what you want to hear. I don't think it's a shock to anyone. Yes, there's going to be a lot of agitation out there Different media outlets are going to be saying this, saying that. I saw the ESPN NBA official account was tweeting about Draymond Green and the Warriors and all that sort of stuff. It's just ridiculous. That's the Giannis that we know, Frank. That's not a surprise to anyone that's watched the Bucs and has taken as close an interest in him as we have. That didn't shock me at all. That's what this guy's all about. Well, and I mean, this is... I, I, I took this as... I mean, I don't know where Chris Haynes would get this unless... Giannis and his camp wanted this to be out here you know yeah. like this wasn't in like you or you and Eric and others were in the the post game like normal media availability right where you're asking questions and this did not come from that I, I think it was nine minutes I didn't this didn't come from that right so yeah. this is from some separate thing and so whether this was texted I, or Chris Haynes I don't know how he I mean I think they're both in Chris Haynes is there in in Orlando but um I mean you know, Chris Haynes is connected to a lot of agents' camps, let's say, Dame Lillard, LeBron, others. And I, I interpreted this, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but I interpreted this as, like, basically Giannis was like, I want this out there just to basically tamp down on, you know, the bullshit that he knows is going to, well, has already been starting about him leaving and, and, and all that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously, if you're a Bucks fan, it's, it's very encouraging to hear. Um, you know, ultimately, the real test is going to be when he's, you know, offered the Supermax. Does he, I mean, I, I, I was on the radio the other day and I basically said there's four things he can do, right? There's, he can sign the Supermax for five years. He can take a shorter extension for less than the 35% max because he's only eligible for that if he takes five years. You know, that's probably the compromise, lock up some more money, commit to the franchise without sort of like, committing committing right? uh there's the don't do anything and basically just say you know what i'm happy but i don't need to sign an extension now i'm gonna go to free agency next summer and kind of figure things out then um which to me is 
probably like the I would say that's probably at this point, especially given the what's happened here, that's probably I would guess is maybe the most likely thing. I don't know if I would say that it's, you know, the most more likely to happen. I don't think it's like a 50% or greater chance necessarily, but I would say that's probably the most likely, like the plurality one. Um, and then the fourth one is the one that I think we all like just never would never expect him to do, which he's basically saying here he wouldn't do, which is basically say, uh, I'm not signing extension and you should trade me now because I'm out of here and I want to be, you know, the Anthony Davis route, right? Which again, I don't think even as disastrous as this, this playoffs have been, I don't think anybody looked at that as, as the likely outcome from, from this. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have lots of time to handicap sort of what the, you know, what, what actually happens. But, um, I think clearly from Giannis' perspective, understandable that he would want to at least take the force a trade option off the table. Um, which, you know, as, as bad as the bucks were in this playoffs is, you know, much as, as Mike Budenholzer was outcoached drastically by Eric Spolstra, um, you know, again, I don't, I, I don't think any of us would have expected that Giannis would just pack up and say, get me out of here, you know, go find me a, a landing place where I can, you know, um, I don't have to be the guy or something like that, right? I, I think that would have always been a, a shocking outcome for this summer. doesn't guarantee that he'll be a buck forever, but, um, but I think it's uh, obviously a, a good sign and, um, we'll see kind of what happens from here because the next big test is going to be when he's eligible to, when he is offered that supermax officially. And and I don't offhand I I I don't know that we know exactly when um, no. when that will be because it'll be in the off season. Um, you know, typically July one is when that would be available, but obviously July one uh, is in the past, <laughs> so uh, it'll basically be when the NBA off season officially starts, which I guess is you know at least a a month away or more. Yeah, there were some uh, dates thrown around today that it looks like the the draft and and potentially the free agency is going to get pushed back anyway from those original sort of late October dates, which is only a few weeks away. I mean, it's incredible the way that this is all going to pan out. But I think we've got the idea that the NBA season is going to push back. Uh, The one thing I, I would say with Giannis and, you know, regardless of, of what people say about different examples where this has happened and, and, you know, obviously they always talk about the Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. I mean, <laughs> Giannis is just different. And, I, and we say that. And I, and I think that I don't know whether people just don't believe that or they raise their eyebrows. Like, I, I, I just don't think Giannis is the type of guy that's going to screw the, this franchise. And so I, I wasn't surprised that he said that. He hasn't wanted to talk about it at all. He's not the type of guy that is trying to... Uh, make it well aware to make everyone well aware that he's a free agent. That's just not the way he generally operates. And, you know, when it's all said and done, the, the Bucks franchise has obviously been really good to him. There's, there's no bad blood there between the franchise and Giannis and his camp. So uh, I think that, you know, whether or not he does sign the, the, the contract in a few weeks or in a few months or however long he's got um, to do that whenever he is eligible, I, I just... You know, I, I never once entertained the fact that he wouldn't be playing for the Bucks again next season. And clearly, when the Bucks get eliminated from the postseason here, last year it was like, okay, well, we've got two years, so let's figure it out. Now, the second year goes down. I mean, all this has been about being on the clock for this free agency period that's going to come for him. Clearly, this year, there's a lot of factors that went into it. 
it's it's a unprecedented postseason we've we've seen that's obviously going to continue now without the Bucs. They've been in the bubble. The Bucs lost all their momentum. They had four months off. There's a lot of what-ifs. But ultimately, it's still a failure to go out in the second round. And, you know, it, it is really disappointing. But again, Giannis is as classy as they come. And I think the post-game we saw from him today is exactly what we would expect from him. And uh, you know, it's not going to stop the rumors, Frank. That's for damn sure. But uh, he always uh, tries to get on the front foot with these types of things. No one really asked him about his free agency all season this year, despite how many conversations were going on. Because every time someone tried to, he shut them down and said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this season. And it seems like he's done the same thing again here. Yeah, and I mean, I think the difference this summer is that, I mean, something has to change in Milwaukee, right? I mean, if if the answer to what do we do next year is, you know, just rinse and repeat and, you know, um, just hope it works out better. Um, so the one thing, can then, I just cut in and ask you something? Because this is this is how I feel, and I've always said this. So just it's basically what you're talking about there. So I always find it fascinating to hear these conversations and, and you hear it on podcasts, TV shows, whatever it may be about the Bucks front office. And I know like the broken one is one everyone wants to talk about right now, that decision, like that's fine. But we know that Giannis has been involved in these decisions and he wanted this team back. So I, I understand now we look at the shortcomings of this group and I'm hundred percent with you, Frank. I mean, I, there has to be change. You can't go back to the well for the third time. But do you feel as comfortable as I do about the fact that last year when these, a lot of these decisions were made, Giannis was on board with these? I mean, how active is Giannis in, in sort of these decisions? I, I don't know. I, I also don't think, I don't think Giannis also sort of views it as his job to, you know, pick players necessarily, you know, or, or, or be that active. But, you know, was Giannis... I mean, the Brogdon thing is just kind of bizarre because it's like, I mean, is, is Jan, I mean, I think we've heard, you know, inklings that, uh, well, or more than inklings that, you know, Bud and Brogdon maybe weren't always simpatico. Um, and I, I don't know what, what Brogdon and, you know, Giannis is on court. I mean, I think they were definitely good off court, but, you know, did, did Giannis have any reason not to want Malcolm Brogdon back, you know, cause he doesn't pass in, in the open court or whatever. Like I, it's, I will say I it's know, funny right? how it's um, funny that some, some Bucks fans have forgotten how angry they were at Malcolm Brogdon when he was here. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like what's Giannis's incentive for, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, leaving um, for, you know, draft picks. Right. Like, I don't, I don't really see any reason why Giannis would, would want, that either right i mean it's one i mean i think i think brogdon leaving actually did sort of help facilitate george hill staying um you know lopez they would have been able to keep i think regardless but um but and and you know again do you get west matthews if brogdon stays very good chance you don't right so i mean there's there's kind of some trade-offs obviously implicit in that um but i I don't know i mean the brogdon one i mean let's be honest i mean that was a that's a cost-saving move in large part and i i get it you know he's a he's a risk paying that kind of money to a guy who's had the injury problems that he's had. Um, but I mean, it's tough because if nothing else, you know, that's, you know, like, like just the talk about trading for CP three. I mean, it's really hard to trade for CP three because literally the bucks don't have like contracts to put together to trade for him. Like you basically have to trade, you know, Bledsoe, Hill, Dante, DJ Wilson, you know, you have to piece together like, like almost half the goddamn roster just to make the salaries, just to make the salaries match. Assuming you're not trading, you know, Giannis 
Chris Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez. So, um, so there, there are a lot of, and, and obviously just losing out on the, the trade exception, which seems like they should have been able to keep the trade exception. There's just a lot about that, which, you know, to me just speaks to, let's just say less than um, first class, top notch organizational work from top to bottom. So, I mean, again, was Giannis pissed about that? I don't, I don't think he was pissed about it, but I think in hindsight, would he look at this roster and if he really, you know, if he wants to break down the cap with us, um, are the Bucks in a much tougher spot now because of, you know, what's happened over the past year, um, you know, with the Bledsoe signing, which, I mean, I'll admit, like, I was happy to have Bledsoe locked up, you know, before last year's playoffs because I didn't think he was necessarily going to be just a pumpkin every playoffs. And, you know, we obviously want to, my view was let's bring everybody back. And obviously, ultimately, they ended up, you know, essentially opting for Bledsoe and then deciding not to bring back Brogdon, right? So there's, I mean, there's always sort of this implicit, a lot of people, you know, sort of splice it as this choice that they chose Bledsoe over Brogdon, which I think is to some extent true, but I mean, they also could have kept both as well. So anyway, we could obviously kind of, you know, dig, a, dig in a lot more on, on all that, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing for Giannis because I, I, again, I don't think he's sort of, I mean, we know he kind of signed off on Bud with Chris Middleton a couple of years ago when, when Bud interviewed. So, I mean, he's obviously involved in this stuff, but, you know, is, he's, he's, we know he's also not LeBron, right, where he's trying to get, you know, necessarily, um, I don't know. It, it, his fingerprints aren't on every move, although he's also, his brother was also signed last summer too. <laughs> but I was, so, <laughs> you know, so, so I don't know. So, I mean, I, 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 again, I think Giannis is, I, I think people, I think the, the national media sort of takes a lot of the experiences of especially like I would, you know, American superstars and, you know, like the KDs and the ADs and these guys who, who sort of have like inevitably worked In to, to get to yeah, the Matthew, who, who, <laughs> the Matthew Dumas, guys who have, who have, you know, sort of like worked their way towards, um, you know, favorable circumstances to try to win titles and, or bigger markets, things like that. Um, and they always sort of try to impute that logic onto Giannis um, in part, cause it's just, you know, it's easier to fill up, you know, stories and clicks and, um, you know, time on talk shows if, if you take that angle. Um, but I, I just think, I just don't think, you know, I think we've seen it. Like, I don't think he's necessarily wired like that. And again, I don't, my expectation is at some point Giannis will not play for the Milwaukee Bucks. I, you know, I think it's probably more likely than not that he does end up staying here rather than leaving a year from now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like everybody wants to kind of get inside his head and understand what he's thinking and, and all that. Um, but I, I just, I don't think he necessarily, you know, I, I think you're, I think you agree. I don't think he necessarily works that way, even if he is, you know, certainly in, involved and aware of what's happening with the Bucks. Um, but again, I think, I mean, you know, the coaching and, and the missteps by Budenholzer this season, and obviously we're going to be at a huge crossroads with some of the roster decisions that are going to be made. Um, I mean, Giannis needs to sharpen his pencil. I think if, if he, you know, if he wants to win a championship, I think he needs to pay close attention because if, you know, moves are being made to, you know, save money, um, then I think, he should be pushing back on that stuff. Right. I mean, he, he's now at the point where, you know, he should basically be demanding that this team do everything it possibly can, including spending lots and lots of money um, to win a championship. And so, you know, obviously this year the Bucks tried to cut some corners and kind of have it both ways. And, you know, 
we'll never know what Malcolm Brogdon's impact would have been obviously on this team. Um, all we know is that, you know, what the formula they did have didn't work. Right. And um, that's unfortunately the legacy of this team is just falling short regardless of, of the reasoning why. And there's, there's obviously a lot of, a lot of blame to go around. Yeah. I think I unintentionally sent you down the, the Brogdon rabbit hole there. That's, that's, I, I guess that's not what I was trying to, to get to. I think it was more the point that um, sometimes, and yes, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at that, that move, in isolation, we spoke about it. Yeah, it was cost-cutting. Should you be cost-cutting? No. And we can get into it in, in the coming weeks, what that means for you know, tradable assets and a bunch of different things here as we look for potentially guys that the Bucks can get in, different moves they can make. I, I just The point is that the, the relationship between Giannis, from what I know from the people I speak to, between him and, and the front office is, is very good. And it's not like there's been some catastrophic moment where Giannis is just like, well, fuck you guys. Like, you, you, you fucked this roster. This was a team that, that came into the year and, and ultimately it was very good in the regular season and, and a, a lot of things fell short in the postseason again. But the relationship is good between Giannis and the franchise. And I, I think I'm kind of in the same camp as you. Um, <laughs> not an ideal end to it all, but I still do think that the Bucks are, are the team in the box seat to keep him uh, beyond this free agency but i guess uh i guess we should wrap it there frank and this season i i will say i didn't think that we'd be wrapping the season in the middle of september but it still did finish shorter than we hoped it did and uh, my first season with you frank and it's kind of funny i i said i've said this before but before we started podcasting together for the first time, because we've met once we met at the at the live pod in milwaukee i guess a couple of years ago it was now or thereabouts and um, but before we started podcast, and I said I said I was actually I was actually really nervous to to, to do it just because I know uh, how much time and the hours and and I know we we joke about it, but there's sickening amount of time. And by the way, we're a couple episodes away from episode 900. Uh, but the the amount of time we we put into the pod and and you have so it's been fun, man. I, I just I just want to say that it's been fun getting to know you a, a lot more through the season, talking a lot. Uh, about the Bucks and this season and the ups and downs and obviously more downs here since they returned. But uh, it's been good, man. It's been a pleasure. I mean, I'm willing to talk after all these painful, horrendous losses to, to you, Kane. So <laughs> clearly I'm getting some therapeutic benefit of it. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun. And um, it, it is kind of funny that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, like when, when Eric, um, you know, decided that he was going to have to leave last, uh, whenever that was. Um, it, it's kind of funny because I mean, we had only met once um, in person, and we had never had we ever actually been on the podcast together. I feel like you were always, you know, the no. the kind of yeah. you were you were always my stand-in um, when when I was not podcasting. You know, you podcast with Eric a lot, uh, so I, I you know I knew what you were like on a podcast but I wasn't um it's not like we had some some great chemistry that I was like oh yeah like let's just do this right um but it it seemed like kind of a no brainer to me that you know you would be the the spiritual successor to to Eric and uh uh it's been it's been a ton of fun and yeah I don't know how many thousands of miles we are apart but um you know the, the beauty of uh, of the internet here making all this possible so Shout out to everybody who's who's been listening, especially those who are still listening to us blather here at the end of a podcast recapping, you know, the catastrophic end to uh, to a season. Maybe the most like catastrophic series defeat in franchise history, probably. Right? I don't. 
I mean, yeah. there, there were other, there were other painful series defeats, but you know, as far as in the grand scheme of, uh, you know, just embarrassing sort of ways to end seasons is probably right up there. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we survived it and, uh, our relationship has only grown stronger, Kane. Um, so I, I can't say, I, I don't know. I don't know. This, this off season is going to be a weird one. And, and I, I don't know, man, I think we're all going to need to buckle up and, um, get ready for something that may not always be very pleasant, but, uh, it's, uh, it's going to give us certainly a lot to talk about that. That's pretty much the only thing I know for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be plenty of talking points. There's no doubt about that. Before this game today, it was funny. No Giannis out there. The Bucks felt like they had to climb an absolute mountain to get the miracle to even win this game and then climb back to 3-2. And I, I sort of laughed to myself as the players were shooting, warming up, and I, I just thought, well, this is a familiar feeling, isn't it? Back in the playoffs, just hoping for a miracle. And, and a win feels like it would be a miracle. And I almost expected... Monte Alice to come off the bench today and, and get up 25 shots or something like that. It felt like the old times, but unfortunately, the Bucks were the favorites coming into this. And, you know, I've said this before, but expectations with sports sometimes suck because the, the losses do hurt more than they would have in the past. But the one thing I know from watching the Bucks for, you know, 20 years and a lot of our listeners a lot longer than that. And, and as you sort of said, we've, we've got pretty loyal listeners that stick with us, Frank, and love to hear about the Bucks. So, I'm sure that this sucks for them, but I will say that the cool thing about following the Bucks and, and getting enjoyment out of watching them play is that Giannis is going to be there next year and the Bucks are going to be really good again. And who knows who else is going to be there, but as long as Giannis is around, they're going to be a pretty good team. And I'll still take that over uh, what we saw for 15, 20 years. I mean, and the sad reality is, you know, I mean the odds of winning a championship every year if you're, for any, any, even any given contender, you know, ultimately are not great, right? Like other than, you know, maybe the, the peak KD, Steph warriors um, where it felt like, you know, barring injury, you know, those teams were, were, were going to win championships. You know, they only won two out of three years, right? Um, you know, the big three won two out of four and, and they seemed like inevitable from a talent perspective it is really hard to win championships in this league. You know, we saw with the Raptors last year, the immense amount of luck that it took for them to just beat the Warriors in the finals, let alone, you know, some of the luck they had before that with the shot against Philadelphia. And obviously almost, you know, the Bucks going up 3-0 in, in the East finals. Um, you know, like we always say, there's the playoffs are just a series of small samples. And, you know, again, I don't think, I don't want to diminish the Bucks loss in that way. Cause you know, I think, they were just outplayed and outcoached and, you know, they got what they deserved in, in this series. But, um, but even if the Bucks had, you know, been much closer to what we wanted them to be, um, winning a championship is never inevitable. It is never easy. Odds are this team was, was always going to fall short just because there are too many teams and too much, too many things that can go wrong um, to, to be able to win, you know, 16 games in, in a playoffs. It's, the hardest thing you can do in the sport. And so, um, you know, it's a different feeling, obviously falling so far short, right? Because there's so much more, I'd say anger with, you know, and, and concern over what, what that means for the future. Right. I think understandably, um, to me, it's probably less frustrating because it's like, well, we weren't good enough. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's not like this, you know, on the one hand, it's like, feels like they really blew it because this, this 
team should have had a really great chance of winning a championship. And, you know, we may look back and say, you know, last year was the best team that we saw and, and they blew it. And now this year's team was maybe better or worse, whatever. And they blew it. Who knows what comes after this, but um, you know, only one team wins it every year. And um, it's just really hard to do. And um, so I guess long story short is you probably would have been heartbroken this year anyway, Bucks fans. <laughs> so it's just a very different kind of feeling. And, and who knows? I mean, again, if this forces the Bucks to, um, to maybe confront some things, whether yep. it's Eric Bledsoe's role, whether it's Mike Budenholzer and his approach, uh, whether it's other roster decisions, if this is the forcing mechanism that basically says you can't hide from this, you can't just say, well, we made it to these finals again, or, you know, we made it to the finals and we just lost, you know, last year, I think the bucks got far enough that they were sort of able to say, we're good enough, you know, we're good enough. We can just do this again, you know, and just do a little bit better. And I think this year, obviously, I think the, the message was you did what you did last year, even better in the regular season. And then, you know, for whatever reasons, there are many, which we'll talk about, obviously didn't happen in the postseason. And we were left with, you know, a team far short of, of obviously meeting the expectations that, that we had. So, um, so yeah, that's, if I have any silver linings, that's maybe it, right. That, that maybe the, the, the kind of everything going wrong scenario that we saw here, um, you know, hopefully that can serve as, as an agent for change and shock the bucks as an organization into maybe confronting some things that, that maybe they wouldn't have if, uh, if they got a little bit closer, if they had a little bit more luck, because I certainly wouldn't say they had a lot of, <laughs> they had a lot of luck in this series. I mean, the Giannis injuries and three point shooting for both teams. I mean, it's not like, it's not like a lot of things broke the bucks way necessarily. Maybe, maybe a couple, uh, some, some calls at various points, but then other calls didn't go in there. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, the reality of the dose of reality they got does um, does force them to maybe make some moves that that hopefully push them forward and improve them um, in ways that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. So anyway, that's my glass, you know, one eighth full uh, for, for the night. <laughs> that's certainly something. That's certainly a thought that has crossed into my mind as well. If you're going to lose, lose in a way that's uh, your all your weaknesses and all your vulnerabilities are glaring. I think sometimes it's a little better to go down that way than lose by one shot or something. And that masks a lot of issues that are still there. And I think the big point is that a lot of the stuff we saw in this postseason was very, very similar to last year. And I think that's going to be the talking points moving forward, which we'll get to. But I think now we sign off on the 2020 season. And I guess next time we speak, as far as the Bucks go, it's officially the 2021 Preseason, I guess. Off-season. I don't even know what to call it this year. It's very strange. In typical times, we'd probably be talking about training camp and getting ready for preseason, which is just insane to think about. But it's been a crazy year so far. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with those dates moving forward. But uh, the Bucks are officially in off-season mode. So we'll still be here. We're silly enough to still podcast and talk about the Bucks, Frank, even when they do lose. So we appreciate everyone for listening. As Frank said, uh, we hope that uh, you've got some sort of entertainment out of this podcast through the season. I certainly thank you for welcoming me into the show over the course of the season, but we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Who knows what we're going to talk about? We'll see what happens with the Bucks overnight, if there is any exit interviews and those types of things. But stay safe out there. And for now, we'll leave it there, and we'll be back tomorrow.